Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and I'm impressed. Well, gentlemen and ladies, that was done by memory. Bam. We're dealing with spotty internet. We are in an undisclosed northern location. We have a hard table that's going to clunk, squeak, and walls that are hard so that it's going to echo. Airplanes flying over. Yep. But we got coffee, we have a cigar, and we have a script. So let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so we're... <laughs> oh my. Well, this is like our final time... Formally, yeah. Essentially recording. We might do another because we go to St. Louis here in a few days. But yeah, yeah. And this then, is it. And then some you point go I'll off. plummet off some cliff. Well, according to your dreams, if dreams mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should uh, write to Bill Johnson and see if they could uh, interpret for me my dreams. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Huh. <laughs> fast forward, fast forward. So, uh, you're up. Oh, I'm, I'm the one introducing <laughs> this, aren't I? I was just ready to take a puff. All right, so we're going to uh, explore... In various ways, uh, actually a subject that uh, is unfortunately able to create a lot more tension in people than almost any other subject. Um, that touchy subject is money. Uh, you can talk one-on-one -on -one about sex, porn, gossip, lying, stealing, drunkenness, and drugs more comfortably than you can money. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, bring that up and prickles and start to come out on people. So as long as it is on how to make more of it or how you can enjoy it, then it's okay. But when the focus comes upon your responsibility with it, then things get a little tense. And in many ways, money is our life. We spend a lot of time earning it. We spend a lot of time on how to spend it, as well as a lot of time on how to avoid spending it. So we want to try to bring a biblical, sound biblical perspective to it. And to do this, we'll bring up the subject of tithes and offerings. So buckle up, Buttercup, because we're going to try to hit it all, uh, all of the key parts of money and the Christian. feels like we should have some music now playing, like that was a great transitional thing. Anyhow. The connection. I want to know how many rolled their eyes in their car right now when you said oh, yeah. buttercup. Buttercup. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. That's a great line. Um, beats what I tell our grandkids when they hurt themselves and they're crying and whine in that whiny way. Mm -hmm. Life is hard, then you die. Then you die. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people give me that aghast look like, your grandfather. I'm like, and I'm right. Life is hard, then you die. Shut up. Um, so, connection between money and religion is actually very interesting to explore. Um, some religious uh, organizations will require a specific amount from each family. In fact, I knew this, but uh, I did a little research. The 
Latter-day Saints, they require you to give 10%. But what I didn't know is that you can't enter the temple without doing so. You, and you're not able to enter into the highest of heavens unless you do so. Um, but that's, that's a cult. Um, then you have the ministries, uh, just the many different ministries that are always begging for money. Uh, many of them use various tactics to get money out of you. Uh, you have the horrible methods used by many false teachers who are trying to get your money. So a prosperity preacher uh, in my day, do you remember or know of Oral Roberts? Oh, yeah. Okay. He claimed that he had a vision of a 900-foot-tall Jesus who said, that if he did not raise $8 million, then Jesus would take him home to heaven. Now, that might sound crazy to some people, uh, but you go listen to Creflo Dollar or Joyce Meyer and, and the garbage they crank out, and you're going to hear the same kind of lies. And so we want to give you some biblical teaching on the subject. We want to try to inject a bit of stability, wisdom on, on a subject that can quickly spiral out of control. Now, w w whether you knew this or not, most preachers— uh, Teachers, <laughs> pastors don't like teaching on this subject because people begin to wonder what he's planning. Uh, it's still very common for churches to pay their pastors very poorly, uh, all in the desire to help them become men of prayer. But then there's the other side of the coin where churches demand the ultimate experience for their Sundays. They want the top musicians, best lighting, seating, cafes in which to buy their lattes and their merch. And so that all costs money, too. And so um, massive amounts of money go into those types of organizations. But for our purposes, we just want to be of genuine help, both to those who are in leadership positions and those who are average Christians who could learn a bit more about such a powerful thing like money. So to do it, we need to unteach before we teach, because a lot of stuff is out there in the minds of people that hinder actually being receptive to good uh, doctrine. Don't you find that true in your ministry? Just as new people come in, you spend a lot of time deconstructing their bad theology. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's hard, because yep. it's not always apparent uh, where that theology is weak. <clears throat> well, yeah, and I find... Uh, you can get spoiled a little bit when you have people come to your church who have just come to faith because you're not wading through all that old yep. stuff that you do have to deconstruct and yeah. before you can start constructing. Yeah, young Christians, new Christians are wonderful to have because yeah, uh, at least if you're being faithful with the text. So, um, so we're going to come from the idea that all money is truly the Lord's uh, most definitely all money that any Christian might possess. So we have passages like Haggai uh, 2.8, where it says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts, or Deuteronomy 8.18, which is one I usually quote. Uh, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. So let's begin then by giving a just a basic overview of money. Uh, and so the very first point here that we would say is, do not love it, for it will destroy you. Uh, so 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 11 says, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs, but flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, 
love, perseverance, and gentleness. Uh, so in fact, it is, it is idolatry. Uh, Colossians 3.10 says that we are forbidden to have greed. And then he says, because it amounts to idolatry. Yeah. Um, by the way, in that First Timothy passage, I just find it always very interesting. It says, some by longing for it have wandered from the faith. It, mm -hmm. You know, this isn't something that just happens overnight. It, yep. You might not even be intending to, and then all of a sudden you're like, how the heck did I get yeah. here? I, I think actually that's a huge issue is what started out to be, I think that's what happens in a lot of these Christian ministries is, you know, maybe by accident they actually started to create a stream of revenue, you know, just people saying, hey, I appreciate it. And then, you know, all of a sudden this flow of money starts to come and you start making decisions on how to increase it or this or that. And it's just that gradual, what started out to be an innocent or good idea now becomes this um, all-encompassing all thing. I And I can see it. I, we, we make what? I think we've made a total of, $200 off of our merch. That much, huh? Yeah, I, I, I've given away more mugs than I sold. And well, and to be honest, I don't even think we've made that. That's just to pay back well, the original. Yeah. yeah, right now my treasurer is thinking, we need to talk then, Matt. <laughs> what do you mean you're giving away? But, um, you know, if, if all of a sudden we started getting people uh, and they were providing that, you know, you start thinking about, well, we could do this, we can do that, and who knows where that could go. Yeah. I, um, anyhow, go, good point. Yeah. So um, it, it amounts to idolatry, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, in, the, in the First Timothy passage, again, it's interesting to note that a love of money is, is the opposite of the things a man of God is to pursue, verse 11. Um, and understand that a love of money takes on many shades of appearance in a person's life. So it, it could be fashion, cars, um, certain neighborhood you want to live in, investments, sense of worth, uh, or poverty due to foolish pursuits, perhaps, uh, lack of funds, gambling, leisure, activities, just countless other ways that money essentially is the fuel that feeds the flesh. So to love money is frankly to be on a pathway that will never bring joy. That That's the the lie though that we believe, right? Yep. If I could just get this or pay off yep. that or yep. deal with this. Um, and and that, that's the one that's interesting. Um, it's not even that some people want to get like filthy rich. It's just, if I could pay this off or take care of this, then I could do that, you know? And all the while making those secret promises of, well, here's what I could do for the church or here's what I could give to, or if I could just take care of this thing first and then it, you end up down this path that you didn't even intend to and it's like again how did i get here yep and that that's where that ecclesiastes passage comes in yeah 510 says he who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves abundance with its income for this too is vanity is that crazy though if you love money you'll never be satisfied by it mm -hmm. and and yet we, we have so many people un or dissatisfied that's the correct word not un right yeah, yeah, dissatisfied, but they would not say they don't that they love money. But it's like, and yet you're not satisfied. You're not content. Is how Paul would say it, right? Um, so, is it possible maybe you do love money a bit more? Yeah, there's some kind of hope attached to it. Yeah. It's going to fix something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it it is it is that earthly anchor that keeps many people from salvation. In fact, Mark uh, chapter ten verse twenty three. 
Um, here Jesus is looking around and he says to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Um, a key example of this is, you know, the rich young ruler. Um, I pointed out in my sermon like two weeks ago, Jesus has this ability to keep saying, one thing you lack, Yes. you know, everything else is good, but that one, and he's just bringing to the surface that remaining idol. And for him, it was his love of money. Um, so that is why Christ said in Matthew six twenty four that famous line, you cannot serve God in money. Uh, you have Achan, that Old Testament uh, story. He, he caused himself and his whole family death because of his greed, uh, Joshua 7. Uh, this is this one is brutal because it involved more than Achan. Yeah. Um, it actually cost the lives of his entire household because of his decisions and choices. So how many men and women have created a culture of money that defines the lives of their children and grandchildren? Yep. Um, Delilah, uh, she betrayed Samson because of her love of money. Judas betrayed Christ and stole from the money, all for the fact that he loved money. Ananias and Sapphira were killed uh, because they loved money. So Old Testament and New Testament, there's this common theme, right? Yep. If you love money, it will kill you, destroy you. So second, we would say, be content then with the circumstances you're in. And a lot of people are going to start doing head nods here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ask yourself if you really have learned this. So don't look for money to be the answer to your problems. Uh, it won't solve them. It will only open up new problems. And I think that's what people don't get is that if only I made more money, right? And then you make more money and actually now you have more opportunities to do more stupid things. Right. <laughs> you know, that's why I think a lot of times people who are poorer are oftentimes, I mean, poor not because they're idiots, but poor just, it's just the way life has or life choices. Um, they're more content. Uh, w one of the reasons is because they're limited how much trouble they can get themselves in with their money. Um, but Paul told Timothy in 6, 6, uh, 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Uh, for we have brought nothing into the world so we cannot take anything out of it either. Or the writer of Hebrews in 13.5, he says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself said, has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that one I find fascinating because he's, he's connecting it with your dependence upon the faithfulness of God. Mm -hmm. um, will God pr provide for you? And, and evidence that you don't trust that he will is because of, of by having discontentment. So, right. you know, I would just say to anyone, you say, I don't think I love money. Are you content? Are you truly content? And if you're content, when that, that safety becomes a bit threatened, do you react negatively? You know, it, it's not hard to see if you have a love of money. It just is kind of humiliating. Um, so how often are your decisions based on fear of losing a position or a level of comfort that you, uh, if you've changed your way of thinking about money or the exact opposite, how often are your decisions based on a discontentment? You need more bigger, faster, nicer, and you begin to arrange your thinking and living around those things. 
Uh, often if we talk to a person who gives little to none, we are dealing actually with an issue of discontentment. And this stems from a love of money too often. And if they're uh, aware of it and just uh, and just need help in learning the practical steps of repenting, then it's actually rather easy to help them. But it, we quickly discover it's a waste of time and effort when the level of change you're willing to do is limited by financial cost or risk, if, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, third of all, <clears throat> we'd say to make certain that your money is something which is being properly earned. Um, so first of all, it is to be done honestly. Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Um, therefore, don't steal it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you may say that you would never steal, but consider these passages. Uh, Psalm 37.21 says that the wicked person borrows money but does not repay. That's huge in our culture yep. with you know, finding all the loopholes to get out of the promises you've made on loans and so on and so forth. Um, bankruptcy is a common method of escaping those consequences um, that your choices and decisions have made. And we justify it by saying, well, I'm, I'm using the law. Yep. So therefore it's just, and it's like, but it's not, you, you, you made a promise. You gave your word that essentially that I will repay this. Yep. Um, I think about all the people with student loans, that, um, that, yeah. Oh, go, well, go no, ahead. no. I was just thinking the exact, that's funny that you came up with that. Cause I was thinking the same thing of yeah. how many people are secretly hoping Biden will forgive quote, those. Yeah. And it's like, that's theft. It is. Uh, it's theft by him, but it's also a theft by you because you said you would repay those things. Mm -hmm. Shame on you. Yes. Um, in, in Amos, God condemns people there, uh, the people who use false measuring scales. Um, so they're, they're actually defrauding there the buyer. Um, and that, that's a lot more common than people like to think. Uh, people who are gleeful because the gas pump doesn't register all the gallons. <laughs> you know, it's just that pilfering, just have, taking have, little by little. Have you, it was a few years ago, but in Kenosha, where I live, um, yeah, it was, it was a few years ago, but a pump got screwed up somehow and it hit social media and all so. these cars just started rushing over there because the guy texted and and they're all rushing over there and finally the owner realized what was it's like he thought hey i'm doing great <laughs> and he realized what was happening he shut it down then there was this big outcry and it's like this guy took a major loss simply because something went wrong. And instead of that person being an honest individual who went in and said, hey, you need to know this thing's only showing 10 cents a gallon. Mm -hmm. um, nope. Not only did he enrich himself, but a ton of other people, and they all got off and gleeful. And I thought, what a... Yeah, I didn't hear about that. That's pretty wild. Oh, I, I, I... Well, I did because we had a, a member who was bragging to me about how he got Hmm. his tank filled up for nothing. And then he left the church after I rebuked him soundly for being a thief. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So that, that kind of thing happens. Um, you know, they'll get, people will be happy or gleeful because they get some extra food and, or something they didn't say it. You know what? Um, I, I'll give you even an example of that one. I, Kim and I stopped having dinner with a certain couple years ago uh, if we went out to restaurants, because they would manufacture always a complaint. No matter how good the service was and the food was, they'd find something to find fault with, ask for the manager, and then uh, 
complain and then say, well, you know, I, th I think you should do something. And so they just give the obligatory 10% off or this or that. And they always look triumphant, like they won something. And I'm like, I don't want even want to be connected to you yeah. uh, on that, but that's another example, right? Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I've had so many of these situations. Yeah. Uh, you got people who they get into a car and they go home and they find out their child perhaps has taken some candy or fruit unbeknownst to them from the store and they choose not to go in and pay for it. I actually did that when I was like five, took a box of Tic Tacs. I still remember this. Um, and I remember my mom marched me back in and I had to Good for give her. it back. And, um, and then she smacked you. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that kind of thing happens. Um, employees who would come to work, they'll, they'll check in, they'll go get dressed, they'll use the restroom, they'll check Facebook, they'll do all kinds of things. 50 minutes has passed by and they've done jack squat. Yep. That's called theft. Yes. Um, <laughs> flip that around. Uh, you also have um, employers who can cheat their workers by waiting until they check out um, or clock out and then... What do they do? Then they ask for a little bit of help. Yep. Um, they'll, they'll be reducing actual hours that are worked in small increments. Uh, they'll cheat the longtime employees by borrowing against retirement or pension funds and not repaying that. Um, and so there's a lot of ways that this can happen. Um, so how many do not pay taxes, for example, taxes that are owed, even though it's expressly commanded by God to do so? Yep. So a second way that we can do this is uh, you can make money by, uh, meaning that you need to make it the right way. Don't steal. Second, you need to make money honestly by being employed. Go figure. Um, now, in our nation, there are exceptions. You can make money through investments, uh, or you may have inherited so much that you simply have money and people who manage that. But those are not the norm, and so we will not spend time on those, uh, though they present a whole list of other types of temptations that can take place. But in Proverbs 13, 11, he says, wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. God has a way of just blessing hard work. That's one of the things I like watching um, immigrants who come over, um, how careful they are with their money. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they end up owning a convenience store or a gas station or something, something that they can labor. They sleep in the back room, right? The whole family works there. But the second, well, we have, you You have that one guy, his, his family came over from Vietnam. Uh, he's second generation and now he's a pharmacist, right? Mm -hmm. And why? Well, mom and dad worked their tails end off and, and brought with that, that mindset of, and that's just God blessing the general principle in this. Those who uh, gather by labor, they increase. Uh, a lot of people don't recognize the Bible looks very, very poorly on the one who does not work. In fact, it shows basically no sympathy for the one who has little due to not working. Uh, this is worth thinking about, uh, in our day of social justice and such, we're guilted into helping the quote unquote poor in our cities and our homeless, but they're usually not victims in any true sense of the word. But that sort of thinking is simply derided as, as hate speech. Uh, the church though is expressly forbidden to not help support a person who does not work. So he says, uh, Paul, for you yourselves know 
how you ought to, uh, ought to follow our example. So this is an apostolic example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we don't have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model so that you might follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. This is an order. If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. For we hear that some of you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies, and they always are that way. Yep. Uh, now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Not even meat, just the bread. <laughs> um, now this is actually a brutal indictment, though, against so many who think they're good and faithful, but in fact they're disobedient. In our victim-centric society, we hear every excuse under the sun for not working. Uh, this was really big during the um, COVID. I, I mean, yes. w- you and I didn't get any of this because, you know, we kept doing our thing. But how many people said it was better? The government paid better than their jobs, so they just didn't go back to work. Right. Yeah. But the reality is that if all social support systems dropped off in a day, these people would resort to one of two choices, theft or work. So just go work. Yeah, that that Second Thessalonians passage though is so important because um, a lot of Christians are known for being kind, uh, and so they think they're being kind, yep. and they're going to be quick to help people within the church who are ta- always talking about their struggles, always talking about their hardships, and you actually end up encouraging yeah. that negligence because you're always helping this person and it's like, stop helping that person. You're not yep. actually helping them. Not and you have a overt apostolic order here of you, you are forbidden to help them because yep. they're, they're busy doing anything but working. Well, I, I remember um, I had to deal with this back when we had the, this is years ago, you would have been one of the younger people, uh, that influx of young people that came into the church and uh, some of them were starting to get married. And I find out as they're upgrading to the newest iPhone and everything else that they're all on food stamps because they qualify. And and yet they're making excellent money Uh, and they're upgrading to the newest gadgets and this and that. And they're like, well, we qualify. I'm like, dude, no, go eat what you work for. And the number of people that just gave me this dense look, and I'm like, I I have no respect for you. And they were really offended and hurt by it, but I'm like, you you have no business being on uh, state assistance when you're capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, Proverbs 14.23, in all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Unfortunately, in our society, it doesn't, but we should not uh, overlook that. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen: he who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. All right, so remember that this money is the Lord's money. Uh, it's to be earned honestly. It is to be spent wisely. Its purpose is to extend God's kingdom, not your wardrobe. Uh, So your use of the money that God gives you the ability to make will serve as witnesses to your reward 
or as proof of your eternal loss, uh, which is true. Um, so we'll leave off here for the time and we'll pick it up next time by considering then the idea of tithes. That subject is filled with a lot of misunderstanding and so we wanna devote a whole episode to it. But if, if I was to sum up our attitude about money, um, I think it would be stewardship. Um, that's a good word. Uh, we are given money by God to use for his glory and there'll be a day in which we will be called to account for it, uh, like, like all things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. So we hope you'll continue to listen through each of these episodes as we explore a bit more on this topic of money. Uh, next time we'll build off of what we discussed here. Uh, but that again is next time, Lord willing. So till then we ask that you rate, comment, share this episode, uh, like us on our various social media platforms, and most importantly, tell a friend. <music>